Hi, this is Steve Pallack. Let's turn over this record and play the B-side. I've got a feeling we've got a hidden gem on our hands. It's Season 5 of the Bait and Switch Podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. My name is Jim Martin, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Chris Beyer. Hello, Jim. Hello, Chris. Tonight, we have a, another uh, Wauwatosa graduate. He's an author. He, we were just talking to him about his book called Murder in Wauwatosa in the first part of this interview. If you didn't catch that one, go back and listen. Before you listen to this, I'm sure that we'll be referencing it, so you want to be caught up. Uh, Paul Hoffman is here with us tonight. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. So, uh, like I mentioned, we talked about murder in Wauwatosa. So, um, you said when we were interviewing you last week, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell listeners this because I want them to go back and listen, but I'll, I'll reference this. You Just said, tease you, it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you had, uh, you had worked in journalism for about 30 years. Can you kind of tell us a little bit of your background and maybe what, um, you know, how you got into journalism, how you got into writing, writing in general? Yeah, um, graduated from Wauwatosa East, uh, went to UW-Madison, and then uh, UW-Milwaukee, and got a mass communication uh, radio TV degree there. Um, Never ended up in radio or TV. My first job was uh, at the Milwaukee Sentinel, taking scores uh, for the scoreboard page in the sports section. Things just sort of kind of uh, moved from there. Ended up uh, covering bowling in high school sports for the Milwaukee Sentinel for a while. Uh, my first full-time job was in the uh, Chicago area at a chain of weekly newspapers as an assistant sports editor. And uh, then moved to Indiana in uh, 1994 as sports editor at uh, in Shelbyville, Indiana. Um, ended up in a couple of different other areas of journalism. I was a news editor for a little bit and uh, ended up in a couple of different places in uh, Indiana and uh, the last you know, 19 and a half, 20 years almost of uh, my journalism career, I was a special publications editor in Franklin and Columbus, Indiana, um, producing magazines, niche products, uh, things like that. Okay. So that was, that was uh, you know, kind of the, the spectrum of my, my journalism career there. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of fast forwarding here a little bit along mm-hmm. those lines. Journalism, newspapers, all this stuff has changed so radically, obviously, because the Internet and whatnot. Uh, you got into a profession that has changed, you know, 180 degrees from when you graduated. How difficult or how exciting has that been? Yeah, um, you know, I got into journalism and there, there's so many changes since, you know, uh, since then, you know, from 1985. Um, but, uh, you know, being a sports writer was pretty exciting. And then, uh, you know, seeing some of the technology change was pretty cool. Um, You know, obviously losing a lot of papers used to have, you know, big cities always had at least two daily newspapers. And now there's very few that do. Um, And, you know, with the the rise of online, well, so-called journalism, um, you know, it's a much different world. People, people still, there are still really good reporters and they are doing great jobs. And I think they just need a little bit more support from the community. Um, people are always looking for something free. And, you know, sometimes you get what you pay for. 
in reality, do you ever see that happening again where people are going to be willing to pay for it when they're getting it free? Uh, it depends if they find out what they're getting free and if they see the value in, uh, you know, in quality journalism, cause you know, you, you get quality journalism because you pay journalists <laughs> to do it. Right. Um, right. you know, I don't know what this free model, I don't, I don't know how people make a living doing that except for click, 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 you know, and ads and this, that, and the other thing. And yeah. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, so, it, it, I mean, it, it, you got it, me started. That's what you did. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, you've implied that the today's journalism is not the quality that it used to be. Um, do you see that? It in- depends. It depends on where you're getting it from. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're getting it from your local newspaper, it's still pretty. You know, for the most part, you're going to probably have pretty good quality journalism. What's the sign of? bad quality journalism when you see something and you know that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about what's the hallmark of that uh slanted stories where they don't talk to both sides and they don't present the information you know where they got information um you know answering uh, basic questions about certain things uh, you know if you don't talk to people and you're just sitting, you know, in your home and, and writing something about something you, you know, you just kind of have cursory knowledge of it's not good journalism. It's not good information. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, um, so you sort of shifted into writing this, the book, right. Um, and, and maybe were you still doing journalism at the time? Maybe you were, this was. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Murder and Wauwatosa came out in 2012. And mm-hmm. so I was, I was still do, doing the journalism thing, uh, in Indiana, making road trips to Wisconsin to do research and taking bags of quarters to the library and <laughs> making <laughs> copies of, of, you know, microfilm, things like right. that. So right, yeah, I, right. I, I did that one, uh, you know, while I was still in journalism. My second book actually came out while I was still in journalism too. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, the second book. The second book came about because I did the first book and the publisher of the first book called me and they said, hey, you did a pretty good job on that first book. You want to write something about where you live now, something sort of similar? Mm-hmm. And I, I translated that to did a really good job, meaning it sold well for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- uh, th- you know, that's the way it is. And, you know, publishing, you're going to ask somebody to do something again because, you know, they, they made you some money. Um, and so I said, yeah. And I said, look, I'm, I'm working at the paper here in Columbus, Indiana. I could write something here. Um, I don't know any one particular story I could delve into at such depth like I did with the Buddy Schumacher story. But there's a bunch of stories here. And if I could do a collection. And so what happened was the publisher said, OK, we've got this series we do across the country called Wicked. And it's, you know, bad, terrible, awful things that have happened in, you know, particular locations written by authors who, who live there. And would you like to do something wicked Columbus, Indiana? I said, okay, yeah, I work at the paper. Um, I can do the research fairly easily through, through our websites and, you know, and online uh, newspapers back to 1872. And uh, so that's, that's what I did. Uh, did it in a much, much less time than I did uh, Murder in Wauwatosa, partially because I knew what I was doing and partially because, you know, I'm only doing the in-depth uh, research, you know, not not nearly as in-depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing nine different stories 
And so, you know, I'm doing like one ninth the research on each story. Right, right. Do you feel like you're being uh, typecast? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so, because I don't think I'm going to do another one of those kind of books. I, you know, I, maybe I will, but, um, I, I did them because I could do them. I was, I had the ability, the first one I did because it was something that just had to come out of my head. It was in my head for 30, 40 years Mm -hmm. and I had to write about it. The second one came about because I wrote the first one and I actually, I started writing another one, um, cause I'd been to Ireland twice and uh, was sort of inspired to write one called Three Months in Dublin. Started that, got about halfway through, and then I bought a publishing company, and now I have no time to write. So <laughs> we'll so, see. Maybe I'll get back to that one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you never know, right? Um, so, okay. So now you went through journalism, you wrote a couple of books, and now you bought yourself a publishing company. So tell us a little bit about where you are now. What are you up to now? It's kind of an interesting story how I ended up actually buying the publishing company because I was not actually going to go into publishing. I was going to write this book three months in Dublin, quit my job and convinced my wife that it would be good um, for me to not work in the office anymore and that she should keep her job so we could have really good benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> as I'm writing three months in Dublin, I got a call from a guy, a former musician in Milwaukee, Rob McCune, and he calls, he gets a hold of me, he goes, I have a book. Can you edit it? Okay. Yeah. I know how to do that. I'll I'll do that for you. No big deal. Then he goes, I want you to publish it. And I'm like, Rob, I've never published a book before. I got, I know people who are in publishing because I'm an author and I, you know, know people in the business. I said, I could, I might be able to figure this out. Just give me a little bit of time. Did a little bit of research, figured out that I could probably do it. So I published a book for him. Then I, you know, then I was like, my dad's been writing his memoirs for the last 15 years. Uh, dad, you want me to, I was wondering if you're going to ask me if you were going to publish my book. Okay. So there's a second one. And, and once I got those two done, all of a sudden people are calling me going, um, so you're a book publisher, huh? Well, not really. I just <laughs> it sort of did it. I, I'm like, well, wait a minute, maybe this would be a good sideline, you know, while I'm not done with my three months in Dublin book. And it's, you know, you can't sell something that's not done. Um, I started talking to people in publishing. One of the people I talked to actually helped me negotiate my contract for uh, murder in Wauwatosa. And she had her hands in about four different things. uh, And one of them was a publishing company. And she said, well, I'm not doing a lot with this publishing company. It's kind of like my third or fourth, thing on my you know priority list and the more we talk the more all of a sudden she's like you know what this might be the right time you might be the right person and that you know it just it fell into my lap and um so i kind of had to build it back up um i bought it in may of 2021 it's called pathbinder publishing um we're at pathbinderpublishing.com we're all over the place various social media um but since then since i bought it um, we've published roughly about 15 books and we've got two or three kind of really close to being published. So I can't give you an exact number, but we've got about 15 books out since I published, which puts us up close to 30 books total, I think. Great. Oh, that's cool. Does being a publisher scratch the same creative itch that being an author does? No, it's, it's, it's different, but, um, 
you know what? Uh, being a book publisher is really similar to what I was doing the last 20 years in journalism. Um, we were putting out magazines. Now I'm putting out books. I was getting people to write stories back then. I'm getting people to write stories now. They're authors now instead of, you know, freelance journalists. Um, I'm designing books instead of designing magazines. Uh, I'm hiring graphic designers to do book covers instead of magazine layouts and magazine covers. So it's really, really similar skill set. It's the author thing for me is it's just, it's me in my head, you know, and, and if I'm doing nonfiction, um, doing the research, if I'm doing fiction, I'm still doing research because I need to, you know, fit characters into places and things like that. Um, so it's, uh, it's a completely different thing. But one of the things I enjoy about being a publisher is taking all the various pieces of the puzzle and putting them together into one product that people can enjoy. And I, I do like the puzzle aspect of it is, is figuring out how this is going to fit into the, how the cover is going to fit with the, with the text inside, um, you know, how the, how, you know, how it looks um, reflects what's going to be inside. So, you know, people aren't freaked out, you know, when they see all this black and red on the cover and Gothic print and, and, and it's a romance novel. Nope. You don't do that. So um <laughs> Yeah, the puzzle part of it is is really intriguing to me, and and working with all these different authors who are like, oh, this is so cool! I have a book. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. Right. That's a. I mean, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get, um, I mean, I, I I tell them, I go, look, I've been an author. I know what it's like to, you know, get your first shipment of books sitting on your porch, and you open up the box, and oh my God, here's my book. This is so cool. Right. Yeah. No kidding. So, do you um. Do you read the do you read every book that you publish? Um the children's books, the ones that are shorter, I I, I edit myself. Oh, okay. Um the other ones, some of the longer ones, some of the novels, um, some of the memoirs that are long. I don't specifically read every word. Mm-hmm. I get a good idea of what's going on with the book. Um you know, I read sections, I get an idea of how well it's written, how much work it'll take to edit. And then some of the longer ones I pass off to editors who work for me sure. and they will give me feedback. And, you know, and we've in in word, you've got track changes so you can see everything that's been changed. Oh, yeah. um, so I look at all the changes, too, just to kind of get a feel for, you know, what an author needs to do with the book. Um, so I hope that answers the question. Yeah. You know, you kind of hinted a little bit at uh, my next question, which is the two books that you spoke of, or maybe three are more, uh, nonfiction. Uh, are you interested in writing fiction yourself? Yeah. The three months in Dublin is actually fiction. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of based upon somebody sort of like me, um, who goes to, to Dublin to kind of get away from it all. Um, cause he thinks his life sucks. So obviously it's not me. It's just sort of based on, so I wanted to make it so it, it would go quickly. So I had him like the same bands I like and, and do some of the same activities, but he's got a bit different background. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, there's a lot of research involved in that too. I mean, even the, you know, with the fiction, I mean, he goes to a, you know, to Dublin, you got to know where places are, you got to know, you know, how people talk and, you know, all that sort of thing. Do you have equal interest in nonfiction and fiction writing, or do you tend to lean one way or the other? 
I think that I've just done so much nonfiction because I've done the journalism and, you know, for 34 years and the two nonfiction books, I think I'm more used to doing that. I think it comes easier right now. Um, but the nonfiction is really interesting and I'm learning more and more as a publisher and an editor, I'm learning more about how to go back and rewrite my three months in Dublin because I, I understand, you know, with an editor's and a publisher's eye and looking yeah. at these, at these books that I'm publishing, I understand what mistakes I've made in, in, you know, in, in my writing. So I can go back and fix them. Hopefully we talked about the first book that you mentioned murder in Wauwatosa and both me and Jim read it. And it's like, it's a good read 10 years on. What is the biggest, uh, when you went back and looked at it to do this interview, what's the thing you look back and you think I could have done that better. I put very, the word very in there too much. By saying that, you can tell how picky I am. <laughs> because it's not like, not like big, you know, overarching things that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim and I you, talked you, about you, that extensively before yeah, we, you got on yeah. the air. It's we the first said, thing I said, well, how, how many very? Vary? How many varies this guy got to use? Yeah, I know. You guys are very mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm teasing. I, I didn't notice. But, but no, like you said, word it. choice is something that, mm-hmm. that you obsess over. I, I do. I, mm-hmm. And part of it, a lot of it's from my journalism career, because you've got a, you know, a certain space. You don't want to waste space in journalism. You know, you want to tell the story and you want to tell it well, but you don't want to, you know, use so many words. You don't want to use a dozen words when six will do. Um, so, I mean, my writing tends to be pretty concise anyway. Um and that's that's you know just one of the things that I've learned and and so when I go back and look at Murder in Wauwatosa, um, I'm like, oh, well, I could have taken Very out there. Eh, eh, eh. That's still a good book. <laughs> Is that you know what uh, the early editions of our podcast? I obsessed over editing the podcast and really worked on it. And to the point, editing can really become a dangerous obsession, can it not? It can be. Um, I, I, I know people who over edit and I know people who under edit and, you know, sometimes there's a fine line and sometimes it takes knowing the author um, to be a, you want to be the right editor and do the right job for that author and that book. Uh, And you might do something slightly differently the next time because each author has a style um, and hopefully it's a style that readers will enjoy but you kind of have to get into their heads a little bit and understand where they're coming from before you start changing everything. So yeah, I, I, I do understand the over editing thing. Cause I, I mean, I do it with my own stuff sometimes. Do editors and authors often clash? Um, I wouldn't say often. Um, it does depend on the editor and the author. If they both go into the, uh, the agreement saying, you know what, our goal is to make this particular book or this particular story, whatever you're doing, the best it can be, then there's usually some give and take. And the editor will usually come up with suggestions. Um, the author, usually, if it's a good editor, the author will you know, be smart to take almost all of those suggestions. There may be reasons they don't. And, you know, as publisher, I'm kind of the arbiter. And it's like, well, you tell me why you think it should be this way. I've heard the editor why they think it should be that way. And let's talk about it. 
fortunately with me so far, I haven't really had too many situations where I've had to say, I'm sorry, I know you want it this way, but I'm the publisher. My imprint is going on it and it's going to be like this. Um, because before I ever get to anything like that, we've, I've said, well, I understand why you're saying that. Here's why I'm saying this. We usually, usually, you know, they understand my point of view and go, oh, okay, well, yeah, you know what you're doing. You've been doing this publishing thing a long time. So, okay. You know, um, in my job, we am a software guy, but we had to make uh, documentation and I've recently been doing more customer facing stuff. And so we do uh, like a lot of PowerPoint presentations and different, you know, things like that. So um, uh, some guys at work have asked me, you know, to, can you just look through this PowerPoint presentation or whatever and edit it or, or some documentation and things like that. What I've noticed is that um, there'll be times when I, I feel like you can say it that way, but I think this would be a lot more fluid or this would be a lot nicer. Like I really would, I would move this sentence around here and move this over here. And all of a sudden I realized like, wait, wait, I'm not writing this right. <laughs> like like when I'm done with this, it turns out to be my writing, not their writing. So, so I, I would imagine it's probably a, a kind of a, a fine line or, or maybe it like there is tough to balance that um, when you're editing. Right. Yeah, I get it. Um, you know, there's there's kind of a fine line between editing and rewriting. Right. And, um, you know, if something needs to be rewritten, then I give it back to the author I, and I say something like, you know what, this part doesn't quite work out well. I get a suggestion. So why don't you, you know, work on that and see if you can get that, you know, a little bit better. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to say if I, you know, tried to rewrite everything that made me happy, you know. It'd go nuts. Yeah, you'd never, you'd never finish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, it and, and that brings up a point too, because I, you know, I don't accept every every you know manuscript that somebody sends me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got I've got particular quality, um, you know, level that I'm like, you know, I'm not going to publish it if it's below this particular level. Sure. Um, so you know. I will give it back to you. It's not, it's not where I need it to be. If you can do these, if you can manage to get these things done and, you know, and I'll get feedback from my editors too. Mm-hmm. If you can do these things, you know, send it back to me and I'll take a look. Um, mm-hmm. Or sometimes I just say, nah, no, not interested. Yeah. So right, you, right. you got to figure out a way to tell them no, but not to discourage them to the point where they give up writing. Um, you know, maybe some of them should, but um <laughs> so, so you haven't but you haven't, none you haven't that have sent any manuscript to me i have had to say that too okay so. yeah yeah you haven't been the simon cowell of publishers yet you, oh, stink. No. you should never do this again <laughs> you should never even write a sentence <laughs> wow uh, no i got i got i got a good reputation at this point and i that's you good. know wouldn't mind keeping it <laughs> right 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 yeah that's interesting because one of the one of the questions i had on my list was do you get to choose who you work with or do just people just show up and you're like yeah okay um but yeah obviously you know something you of course have to think about is that you're by publishing this book you're putting your stamp of approval on that and your reputation right. goes along with it Mm-hmm. Right. And I am not going to take something that I think is substandard quality and put it up and promote it next to all these other books that I have that I think are quality. Right. Um, right. You know, fortunately, one of my one of my authors is my wife now. 
and, and thank God she writes good books because I don't know what I'd do if she didn't. <laughs> Had to turn her down. I'm sorry. I know. It's I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> Just still, you know, sleep on the couch for the next three years. Right. But um, no, we've got two of her children's books. And then I've got two more that she had published through a different publisher previously. And the contract is up. So we're going to be putting those two out. And so I'm going to have four of her books. Um, nice. We've got we've got several children's books, but our genres are, you know, we were all over the place. I, I got one on um a thriller that that is just about to come out we had a little bit of light romance we've got memoirs by a couple of retired doctors uh in fact the first book actually with this company that i ever published was by gary damato uh three-time wisconsin sports writer of the year um (laughs) formerly a columnist with the journal sentinel and it's uh, memoirs of of his life growing up in St. Francis in the 1960s. It just, you know, absolutely wonderful stories. Um, so that was the first. I was so happy to be able to do that book and sure. for that one to be the first one to do with Pathfinder Publishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. One genre that there seems to be a demand for, whether it be in books or the TV show Dateline, podcasts that are true crime. There's something kind of macabre and fascinating to people about about that particular genre uh, do you have books of that genre in pathfinder i don't think we have any true crime yet um i've got uh, i you know I, i'm always negotiating contracts you know with authors and talking about stories and uh you know i may have one or two of those in the back burner but uh, right now i don't um you know i'm the only one so far that's written things like that um but you never know. I mean, we've got a we've got a you know a fictional thriller that's coming out. So who knows? Is there? I mean, obviously, writing is such a vast subject. Is there a hot trend currently in publishing? Oh man, um, I'm just trying to survive. I think survival is should be the hot trend. <laughs> um, trying to trying to make trying trying to make full time money for full time hours. I think that's that that should be my trend. but one of the things but speaking i mean seriously though one one of the things audiobooks have become so big um and it costs a little bit more because you have to hire voice actors and you know i mean if you really really want a good one and and get the equipment i mean you guys there you go (laughs) your podcast um and so but um you know a lot of people i I even i've got two books that I usually read and one is a print book and I just read that whenever, you know, before bed, whatever. And then I've got an audio book and I listen to the audio book while I'm on walks. I take, I do like a minimum of 7,500 steps a day. And sometimes I'll just put the audio book on while I walk. I can't read a print book while I walk, but I can listen to this on my phone. So, you know, and I, you know, you talk about the, the true crime. Um, God, I end up, listening to so many books about this guy in Scotland is a, 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 a cop and uh, <laughs> solving murders and things like that. I don't know how I got into this. I, you know, just started listening to some of this stuff and, and reading Sherlock Holmes books and things like that. I, so I, I get, you know, and I just, just finished watching that, the, that show only murders in the building about guys, you know, who That's are great. doing a, a, you know, true crime podcast. Uh-huh. So yeah, I guess I'm, I get, never really meant to get into all this stuff, but I, you know, find it interesting. Yeah. yeah just kind of wandered into it. Yeah. That's a good show. Um, how do you navigate the, uh, the books versus Kindle books, eBooks? 
uh, versus audiobooks? How do you navigate that sort of landscape? Well, we haven't, Pathfinder hasn't done an audiobook yet. I've only had one author so far ask. Um, you know, it doesn't work for children's picture books, and we've got several of those, mm-hmm. um, so that makes no sense. But, you know, for the longer ones, if somebody wanted one and we could figure out some sort of financial agreement and figure out the nuts and bolts of how to do it, I can do it. Um, almost all of our books are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook, and we upload files through a, a site called Ingram, which has publishing partners all over the place, uh, bookstores, uh, libraries, and Amazon is one of them. So once you upload the files through Ingram, eh, a couple of weeks later, they're all up on, on Amazon too. So be, it took a little bit to figure out how to format the eBooks because it's a little, little different. The hardback is just almost the same as a paperback. It's, you know, all the legal stuff you have to do when, when you buy a business is one thing, um, getting websites transferred and, uh, you know, books transferred and buying ISBNs and all that. So, you know, the barcodes on the back, um, all that stuff uh, was all new to me. So I, mean, I, I guess I'm kind of glad that I didn't have a lot of books to publish when I first bought the company because I had all that stuff to deal with. Well, interesting stuff here from Paul Hoffman, author of the book Murder in Wauwatosa. And Jim and I both read it. We both highly recommend it. Also, the owner of Pathfinder Publishing, who's got a bunch of books out there that we just talked about. So you can look that up, I'm sure, on the web. We'd like to thank Paul for stopping on our show tonight. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. When we write our book, you know, we'll know who to come to. I'll let you know how good it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you will. All right. Thanks again, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch Podcast when we talk with aspiring podcaster Shayla Roundtree. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch Podcast. Spread the word.